0: Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In just a few short months, I'll be lacing up these boots, getting in this very ring to take on Alexa Bliss. Yeah, that's going to be like a a swimsuit motto pillow fight, right? Because I have been looking forward to that (laughs) for years, okay? The two of you... uh, That was a good one. Clever. Yeah, You know what? I have a little suggestion for you, if you don't mind. I'm thinking it's time for you to pack up your little guitar,
1: take your floral kimono and your fancy little scarves, and just walk yourself that way.
0: Why don't we just cut to the chase, okay? Why don't we just get right down to it? The reason you came out here is because you, just like thousands of other women, you want to walk with Elias.
1: (laughs) But I have to break it to you, Trish. I don't date women in their 60s. (laughs) Oh! Oh! when it's time to begin. It's on the rewinder rod with John Pollock and Waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewinder rod for Monday night, downloaded Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewinder rod for Monday night on USA Now on the John and Waiting the mic. Welcome to Rewinder to Raw. John Pollock and Waiting with you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for downloading the show. Wait, it is a another very busy week coming up where you and I are gonna be on the road along with Braden Harrington and Davey Portman. We've got all in weekend coming up. Are you ready for what this week entails? Being in a car with you guys for like 20 hours um not yeah, that sure. long. not that long they're not even coming uh, back with us we're they're only going one way and then i guess god knows it, that's going to be a reality show in and of itself how they get back to toronto but we are getting them there
0: that is true yeah well i mean it, what is it like a 10-hour ride from toronto to chicago
1: i've done it in eight to chicago really
0: yes wow i probably have actually done it with you actually that's probably the first road trip you and i
1: yes it would have been when we went to wrestlemania 22 in 2006 with my my buddy brad when we went to chicago so here we are way 12 years later going back
0: yeah i'm wondering if we're going to see any of the same people on on that show because not only did we go to that show we also went to our first SuperCard of all oh
1: that's right that's right we got to see the the crazy dragon gate six man on that show yeah where we spent like nine hours at that building because we were taping stuff before and after that extremely long show that i believe featured Brian Danielson and Roderick Strong?
0: I believe so, yeah. And the next night was Lance Storm versus Brian Danielson. That's right.
1: We got there. We left the Hall of Fame and we got there just as Danielson and Storm was ending, yeah. which was the match I really wanted to see. And then the main event was Homicide and Colt Cabana. And the only thing I remember from that match was fans throwing chairs to the ring and a guy throwing his metal chair and hitting a dude in the crowd in the back of the head. And it was just. I was like, this is the stupidest thing ever, encouraging fans to throw metal objects towards the ring. Like, what an awful idea this is.
0: Uh, Yeah, it was pretty dumb. But, I mean, come on. We all have very fond memories now. And I guess there's a name Cole Cabana who's going to be at all. That's right.
1: There's our link. There. We got it. So, all all is set. All right. Well, uh, we should quickly uh, mention uh, that during our road trip, we're going to have lots of stuff. Stuff up on the website. Uh, we'll have full coverage of all in, including a review of the show late that night with myself, Way, Braden and Davey, uh, covering it from all angles. I may be watching it from the hotel room. Way will be there in some form or fashion and definitely Braden and Davey will be inside the arena. That's the current setup as, as we, uh, stand here on, uh, uh Monday night, Tuesday morning.
0: Yeah. Maybe I'll be at the door. Uh, just, uh, trying to peek through, like, uh, um, the entrance of the, uh, the, the, the Schomburg Arena there. Anyway, yeah, it should be fun. Oh, we also have had some people asking about the, uh, Starcast show that we're doing. Mm-hmm. We're going to be at Starcast on Saturday only. Uh, and we're doing a live show there from 10 o'clock to 11:30. And people have asked, do we need, do you need tickets for Starcast? Uh, you actually don't, because we'll be in the lobby of the Hyatt Regency in uh, Schaumburg, and we'll be doing a show live there. So even if you don't have tickets to Starcast. Uh, You can come and just uh, check it out and ask your questions for our live edition of Ask Away. Uh, But we do encourage you guys to uh, come into StarCast so that we can uh, uh, have a proper uh, uh, meet and greet. And we'll also be giving away uh, postcards. We'll be giving away stickers. We'll also be selling some post-dressing T-shirts in there. So uh, if you guys have some free time, do drop by.
1: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, meeting anybody that that comes – out to the Ask Away uh, live show on Saturday. It should be a ton of fun. I'm very much looking forward to doing this show. And uh, we'll obviously be taking questions from people that are there live uh, first. Uh, but you can throw up a question as well in the thread. And if we have time, we will get to those as well. If not, we'll just move those over to uh, next month's Ask Away. So at some point, we will get to your question if you're not there at StarCast. Uh, so that is just some of the highlights that are uh, coming up, as well as the return of Lens which Way will be documenting our big road trip, uh, as will I. And uh, Braden has also taught me how to use uh, filters on – actually, it was Way. You were the one showing me how to use uh, animal filters and all this other garbage uh, that you can use on Instagram.
0: Yeah, I, I think I've just changed your life. It, this was like after uh, uh, last time you and I hung out where – I mean, I noticed, John, you were, you were doing – Doing some great, like little predictions and little videos on our uh, in- Instagram page at Post Wrestling Official on Instagram. And I felt like what you were doing was maybe more catered towards uh, stories. And so you're like, what, what's that? How do I do that? And so I pulled it up and I even showed you how to do the bunny filter. So, John, that's my challenge for you. I would love to see the next time there's a live pay per view t- t- to do, I would love to see a John Pollock prediction using the bunny filter
1: you're very high on these these animal filters i don't know if we will see that uh but who knows uh so that is just some of the stuff you can look forward to this week uh, postwrestling.com and of course uh postwrestlingcafe.com uh to get in on all of the action Uh, end of the show we'll run through uh this week's schedule but we have uh, lots of stuff to get into uh we have a number of news items and then we shall chat about raw from monday night in toronto uh and that uh segway's unfortunately to what uh, turned into a fairly big story on Monday night enough that you know TMZ covered it and it was covered locally and that was a tweet that was sent out just prior to Raw tonight by uh, Jason Sensation who I don't know how many people may remember from his cameos uh, about two decades ago on Raw doing a series of impressions uh dressing up as various wrestlers he was in the Bret Hart, uh, wrestling with shadows documentary briefly as a fan. Uh, so he sent out a tweet tonight announcing that he had gotten through security with a gun and was threatening to kill himself during Raw. And obviously this, uh, concerned many people as soon as they saw this tweet and the, uh, the police were contacted as well. Uh, we were seeking out updates uh, throughout the night and this ended up, you know, uh, taking a lot of, uh, the first half of RAW uh, focused on this. At the end of it all, um, we confirmed with the uh, police that Jason Sensation was actually not at the Scotiabank Arena, and thus it was a false alarm. Thankfully, um, yeah, just uh, you know, one of those stories that I mean, Wayne and I we discussed this earlier. I mean, when I first saw this. I don't know how much attention you necessarily want to give these, but this became such a big story. There was no way around it, but, um, mm-hmm. I really don't like, uh, shining a big light on these. Um, you know, yeah. I don't know what kind of state of mind, uh, Jason sensation is in, but this was, you know, an awful, awful joke. Uh, I even saw one person who just got up during and Ron left out of panic, which I absolutely do not blame anyone. Uh, if you are in an arena setting, and believe me, this summer there has been a ton of gun violence in Toronto. I just think it's a horrendous thing to joke about and place fear uh, amongst people in a large setting like a like a sports arena. It,
0: I mean, this wasn't a joke, really. Like, no, I
1: think you don't even like to minimize it by calling it that. I mean, I think I
0: I, I went from you know being very scared because I know plenty of people that actually went to the show. I, you and I thought about going to the show tonight. We didn't. Uh, this was in my city. Uh, I went from being scared to when I found out that, that you know, that he wasn't even there. It was, all, it's all a bit of a hoax. I went tr- from feeling that to feeling very angry. But then I'm just like thinking about it now, and it's really just like what this is is just is a call for help from this guy. You know, clearly this man has a lot of troubling issues, and so I I just hope at the end of it all he gets the help that he needs
1: yes um we're both uh in agreement with that so uh hopefully it was uh not uh you know something that at least it it, i guess it could have been significantly worse and thankfully it was a false alarm uh but it was a, a very notable news story in toronto on monday night some other news from over the weekend uh neville is free from his WWE contract. Wait, this was uh, first reported by Ryan Satin at Pro Wrestling Sheet. He is out of his contract. Uh, it was further reported. It looks like there are no limitations. I would think it is pretty, uh, pretty high, his chances of being at All In on Saturday. Uh, this guy's been uh, gone since October, when he basically walked out, and he's been frozen under his WWE contract. Not sure what the actual... Uh, process was that he is now free and clear to go but he is and i think there's going to be a ton of demand uh for this performer who is going to land on his feet very well and the fact that he got that lengthy run as a heel last year that people see the that this guy is way more than just a tremendous in-ring talent he's a great character worker on top of that i think he would be phenomenal addition to new japan's junior heavyweight division uh, i can see this guy just any promotion being able to capitalize off of uh, using him.
0: It really is true. And something I haven't really thought about was, you know, I think so much of, of what we consider to be 205 Live to be, you know, not necessarily at the forefront of what people are really talking about week to week. But, I mean, that 205 Live run really did help this guy and, and the public perspe- perception of him. Because part of that, what was he doing? He was just, you know um, – uh, the man that gravity forgot, you know. Um, uh, the the and, and man who, that creative uh, forgot. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, but that 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 heel run he had on Two Hundred Five Live has totally kind of been a great, I would say. Uh, it really positioned him well for the current landscape of independent wrestling, and 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 I would love to see him at All In. I think he's a perfect candidate for the Battle Royal and subsequent uh, title match with Jay Lethal. If I was ROH, I I mean, this is exactly the type of person I think you want as their champion, somebody who who's just leaving with a whole lot of buzz, somebody who, who you know, we, we want to see in dream matches with so many of the current crop of great guys that are out there. So uh, I, I, I hope to see it. I mean, even if he doesn't appear, I mean, All In I think will still be a great show, but I think he could fit in at any of these spots.
1: I I think that it would be a great I, – if, if I was Ring of Honor, I'd go ahead. I'd do the title change. I mm-hmm. think that would add – so much buzz for their pay per view next month mm-hmm. and so many fresh ideas and matches. I would just, I would totally go for it uh, with him. And you, you have to imagine that with the ROH title being defended on Saturday, that ROH is going to have the rights to show uh, that match and highlights that you can throw on your television over the next month leading up to the pay per view. And then at the end, you get awesome. Neville and Will Ospreay on your pay per view. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think it's a, tremendous i I think that's a great option for neville to be able to do the ring of honor new japan combo going back and forth Mm -hmm. that would be a, a great role for him but he's gonna have lots of options this is a really great time for him to uh suddenly be contractually free and it's really i think it's 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 you know
0: We've already had so many, I guess, uh, tests of guys leaving WWE and finding success. But I think, you know, you you can never have enough. And and what kind of example would Neville, if he becomes very successful in this current landscape, show to other guys who might be in a similar situation in the WWE?
1: Yeah, he's going to be one of one of many interesting cases to watch over the next uh, six to eight months. Um, there was a passing over the weekend by a man by the name of Ed Cohen that not everybody may be familiar with, but he served as the Senior VP of live events for the WWE, he was involved uh, right at the time the company was going national and helping to put together the entire touring machine that that company has constructed. And someone that just seems like he would know the ins and outs of the entire touring business. And I I thought would just reading about him today and, and speaking to some people that worked with him, just seems like someone that was, first of all, extremely well liked by everybody and seemed to be a really genuinely great guy. But someone that, man, the amount of knowledge of history of the just the behind the scenes of the WWE going back to the mid 80s and all of that stuff, uh, it's, it's those kinds of people that I, I always wish could, uh, have like written a book or just done something because of, man, what they were privy to uh, during, you know, such important historical moments in the company's history.
0: Well, it makes me wonder how many how many people with, with the similar histories are around right now that people haven't really spoken to yeah. who, who do have those great stories. I think, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, I wonder if the WWE would ever do anything like that or even like a podcast series with all the wrestling podcasts that are out there, I mean, I'd love to hear something with the people that aren't necessarily stars that have had prominent roles in the industry.
1: Yeah, you know, this This was the type of person that the Ultimate Warrior was alluding to when he mm-hmm. suggested the Jimmy Miranda Award that was to honor people behind the scenes. And they kind of took his idea and morphed it into uh, what it is now, which is the Warrior Award, uh, which is a very different award. It's not they- – it's not for took people the, behind the scenes, but this is the perfect candidate for what The Ultimate Warrior envisioned.
0: 100%. Yeah, they pretty much took the sound bite from his clip, uh, uh, demanding for an, an award and use it to, to do something completely different.
1: But, oh well. Uh, I just wanted to spend a minute or two discussing the Smash Wrestling show from Sunday that I attended, along with uh, Braden, Davey, Dan the Mouth Levransky, Mike Murray, and Mike's daughter, who came and seemed to have a really great time at uh this event uh they were at the phoenix concert theater have you ever seen a smash show their way or not yet no
0: not yet i still haven't yet
1: yeah i've gone a few times now to the phoenix this was the most people i have seen there for a smash show i'm not the greatest at estimates but i would imagine at least 300 people there uh very lively crowd and seriously this might have been my favorite smash show i've gone to it was just a really really strong show Uh, From start to finish, they kicked off with a 20-plus minute last man standing match between Tarek and Sebastian Suave. And prior to the match, Anthony Kingdom James, who is the manager for Sebastian Suave, cut this scathing promo on Tarek that he can never win the big match. He's a loser that is going to have to go home to his new wife and admit he's a failure and a loser and tell her that their unborn child is going to grow up the child of a failure and a loser. And this was just, uh, this cutting promo. And they ended up having this big match. Sebastian Suave bled like quite a bit. Like there was this blood all over the canvas. And of course, Tarek, he not only wins the big one, uh, but then would have, uh, later involvement in the show uh Vanessa Craven who's in the Mae Young Classic defeated Tessa Blanchard which was an interesting pairing that you have Tessa Blanchard who it hasn't aired yet but is now the knockouts champion on impact losing to someone who's going to be on a WWE tournament in a couple of weeks so that was kind of interesting Scotty O'Shea defeated Kevin Blackwood and this match just featured these guys suplexing each other on the neck repeatedly uh it was a Really entertaining match. And then these, these masked hackers of Scotty O'Shea showed up and led to Scotty O'Shea defeating Kevin Blackwood. I don't know. Maybe this was, uh, they'll be revealed as Russians, the, the Russian hackers maybe that are uh, backing up Scotty O'Shea, but that's for a, a later reveal, I guess. Uh, the well oiled machines, uh, Pepper Parks and Psycho Mike Rollins defeated the, uh, the Super Smash Brothers in a tables, ladders and boxes match way
0: boxes yeah can you explain that why why boxes
1: well it was uh they did this match about a year ago a what's in the box match and you should go look it up on youtube and it is one of the the funniest videos you will see from smash the well-oiled machines do these elaborate uh entrances with like musical montages and fight scenes in the back and they just it's a total in-house thing that has gotten over to this audience but it's made boxes Part of their gimmick and their charm. And today actually is the anniversary of the very first TLC match at SummerSlam 2000. So look how coincidental that is. This match was just a lot of fun. The night before, I watched the ladder match at Triple Mania, and these guys did like the most insane spots you have seen in a ladder match, like just some breathtaking stuff. But your heart's in your throat watching some of this stuff. In this one, they did their requisite ladder spots and table spots that you didn't feel uh, like this got over tremendously well. The audience loved this, but some of the biggest reactions were these empty cardboard boxes that had been uh, uh, wrapped up uh, with wrapping paper and just smashing them on guys. And everyone went crazy for the boxes. I was like, this is brilliant. They're getting the biggest reactions for the safest weapons in this match. That's, that's a well-worked tables, ladders, and boxes match, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Uh, Daniel Garcia, who is, I believe, like 19 years old, he defeated Kevin Bennett, Brent Banks, and John Greed. Uh, I was talking to a a lot of listeners, so this was the one match I didn't really catch a whole lot of, other than uh, the entrance. Kevin Bennett has a really fun entrance where he comes out with this big entourage of guys that are all like fist-pumping and stuff, and it's it's, a fun entrance. Jeff Cobb defeated PCO and Brody King, and we got an appearance by Destro, the handler for PCO. So two weeks in oh, a row, away, yes. I got to see PCO and Destro together, and Destro came out and brought PCO back to life. He, he's used his, uh, his electrical equipment to bring PCO back to life, and he did his, his Wei Ting hor- horrifying moonsault.
0: Oh my God. Really? See, he does this every show now.
1: You know what? I, as I'm watching this, and maybe I'm really just late to the dance on this realization. It's like this is just an updated version of Paul Bear with the urn. That's what this guy is, Destro coming mm-hmm. out brings him back to life. Unfortunately, uh, Jeff Cobb overcame the resurrection and won with the tour of the islands to Brody King. Cobb looked great in this. This was a you know fun twelve minute three way between these two. And then the main event saw Tyson Dukes come out and he's limping and he cut this really heartfelt promo that he his pride. Wants him to continue to wrestle, but it's against his better judgment. He can't wrestle tonight. And also mentioned that his mother is apparently very ill. And uh, so he's giving this speech that he can't wrestle tonight. So in his place is Tarek, who is coming back for the main event. And he's going to take on Joey Janela with the winner crown, the new Smash Wrestling Champion. And Tarek wins the match. He gets presented the title by James Key, who is uh, one of the officials at Smash Wrestling. And then you had Sebastian Suave, Tyson Dukes, Brent Banks, who was one of uh, Tarek's uh, former tag partners. The four of them are in the ring, and it's like the Smash kind of homegrown originals all together. And this was the big crowning of Tarek, winning the Smash title for the first time. The audience just loved it. This was a really great show. Uh, if you have not been to a Smash show... Uh, This was one I was really glad I went to. I knew I wasn't going to be going to WWE this week, so I wanted to make it out to this. And I was really glad I did. I had a very, very uh, fun time at this show.
0: That sounds awesome, man. Sounds like a really great time.
1: Yeah, and their next two shows, they're doing one, The the Afternoon of Hell in a Cell, which is a mystery show. They're not going to announce anything ahead of time. And then in October, on October 14th, they're doing a show. I've never heard of this way. None of the wrestlers are going to be paid. They're working the show for free, and admission is free, and any donations that fans choose to make is going to be given. 100% is going to be given to the staff at Smash Wrestling. None of it's going to the wrestlers or covering any costs. It's all going to the staff members uh, that work for the promotion. I think that's like the most unique concept I have ever heard for an independent wrestling show. I cannot ever recall that. It's
0: really interesting. It's, it's really, really interesting, and I'm, I, I think I'm very curious, and actually, it sounds very brilliant uh, of an idea.
1: Yeah, so those two shows are going to be at The Rec Room, uh, which is just by Rogers Center. Uh,
0: but yeah. uh, A follow-up, too. Uh, Joey Janela tweeted that he actually was involved in a, in a what sounded like a minor car accident on his way back from Toronto because oh. the driver of the vehicle had fallen asleep on the, on the, on the interstate. But he tweeted that he's, he's fine, people are fine, but it, it sounded like a bit of a scare.
1: The taxi driver fell asleep. No, no, no. no. Oh, this the tr- was a driver. The... Oh, okay, sorry. a driver. I yeah, well, mean, okay,
0: I mean, I think one one of the wrestlers he was traveling with.
1: Oh, oh well, thankfully, uh, I I had not heard that. That's uh, well, glad to hear he is uh, he is okay from that. All right, well, uh, those are some of your news and notes. Of course, you can always go to Post Wrestling uh, for all of these stories and more. Uh, but now we go into Raw from Monday night. Their first of two nights in Toronto. Actually, I lied. We should mention off the top that they had a big announcement prior to Monday Night's Raw, and that was that SummerSlam weekend will be in Toronto next year Way. hmm The whole weekend. The whole weekend. Uh, we won't have to go far. They announced this through ET Canada, of all places, uh, getting the big scoop. And they're also, of course, with Brooklyn and uh, New Jersey hosting WrestleMania week next year, uh, we figured SummerSlam would be moving away from Brooklyn Uh, for the first time since 2014. So it's going to be in Toronto, and they're also moving it up a weekend, which means if New Japan keeps their usual schedule, that is going to be an insane weekend way of SummerSlam, TakeOver, and the G1 Finals. It could all be the same weekend. Oh, wow. Yeah, why not? Just bring it on. So Mm -hmm. that's happening uh, next year, and they're also going to do a SummerSlam fan access convention at the uh, Metro Toronto Convention Center. So there you go. Next year, SummerSlam in Toronto. But up first was Toronto uh, for Raw. show started out with Roman Reigns coming out, and they recapped the Shields reunion last week. And wouldn't you know it, Wade? They have not only a new Shield T-shirt, but it is customized with Toronto on it.
0: That's right, yeah. They, they tend to like to make these limited edition shirts now for all these cities. And I guess this time it's – you don't have Brock Lesnar with the Suplex City shirt anymore. What's the biggest thing? Shield. So,
1: yes. That should be part of the story is that you become a universal champion. You get these limited edition t-shirts every week and therefore your merchandise pay goes up dramatically because of a new shirt every week for every town.
0: I mean – Unofficially, I don't think that's such a bad idea.
1: Yeah, it's like you get higher merch money. I mean, it, it adds some prestige to the title, and I think uh, today's fan can appreciate that kind of thing. Cole promotes, Roman Reigns has been defending his title all weekend long at the house shows, something that hasn't, hasn't been done in a year and a half. Uh It sounds really impressive, other than the fact there was one house show this weekend that Roman Reigns was on, Uh one show that Raw ran this week, which, I mean... Let's be honest. Brock Lesnar, he did the, the the occasional house show. Mm. Okay. Reigns notes that it is 8.05, and Braun Strowman is not here yet. So if Braun isn't going to come out, he'll make it the Shield Workhorse Open Challenge. And that was the big term they are calling the Shield now, the workhorses. The workhorses, yeah. That is the new buzz term. Are um, they the workhorsemen? Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, sure. I think I, I'd prefer that.
1: Braun does come out, crowds chanting, get these hands, and he laughs at Reigns calling himself a workhorse because he needed to call his boys last week for help. Reigns said the shield is, quote, a brotherhood of workhorses and that Ambrose and Rollins decided to help last week on their own. This was not a plan way. It was just totally just these two guys in their shield outfits. All fell out of the sky (laughs) and just joined in unison together and they just had an impromptu fisting on live television
0: uh yeah yeah well you've been known to to just find a SWAT vest somewhere
1: yeah it happens you have the music queued up you have the you know the shield uh tron all set to go sometimes these things just happen and then they are interrupted by oh sorry first first we had braun uh explaining uh, what he's going to do to Roman. Roman says that Braun just lifts up objects like cars and ambulances, whereas he has used his hands to lift every championship and tells him to step up like a man and cash in the briefcase tonight in Toronto, which the crowd got excited for. And boy, were they let down when Braun said, I'm not cashing it in tonight. And then explained because his boys will come save him again. So he's cashing it in September 16th at Hell in a Cell, Where the Shield cannot interfere. They shake hands, and then Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre interrupted. But uh, we are not getting a tag match at Hell in a Cell there, going with the one on one singles match for September 16th. Mm
0: -hmm. In hindsight, I feel like watching this segment, you already had a real hint that, you know, of of maybe what was to come, because Braun delivering that line certainly got him booed. Uh, I'd say overall, he sounded. Yeah, uh, he's been coming across quite cowardly over the past several uh, weeks, and you know him wanting to have the match at the pay-per-view felt like it was something that he maybe should have done a long time ago, but then again, if you're trying to turn the guy heel, then maybe, yeah. I mean, the question is, why, why would he even, why wouldn't he just cash in? I guess yeah. he has some level of pride.
1: I think that there's a certain level of confusion with these two, because... I mean, last week, you kind of had the contradiction. You did have the S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion that was going to get a good reaction. But at the other hand, you're outnumbering this guy three on one. And then you come out here, and I agree with you. I think that the audience was let down that Braun... This guy who said, the second Lesnar shows up, I'm cashing in. Here you have Braun being strategic. And I don't think the Braun character should be strategic. This guy's a monster. Mm-hmm. He has the ability... He's the Hulk. To k- k- exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and personally... I think Roman came off really well on this show. Oh yeah. Up until like uh the booking of the main event, but that's not really on him. Uh I thought just uh character-wise, his promos, he's got a bit of an edge to him and I think he feels much uh much more natural. Uh just especially in this opening segment. Like I thought he came off much better than Braun.
0: I agree. I agree. To me, he came across like an actual heel heel here. And I think if you were to expect a a really negative reaction from any city, it'd be Toronto. But we didn't get that tonight.
1: Dolph and Drew are out. And Dolph calls his IC title loss a crime of the century. Rollins has been playing catch-up to him inside and outside of the ring. Eventually, he will invoke his rematch clause. But it's going to be on his terms. So him and Braun have the same strategy. They need a new challenge. And it's Braun and Roman. And they're going to knock them off the raw mountain tonight. Reigns tells him to bring it on and looks at Braun and says, The Meat Shack agrees. The Meat
0: Shack. Yeah, that's what he's been calling him lately. The Meat Shack.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you should Google that um, because who knows what's going to pop up on Google images. I won't. Okay. So, Braun, uh, sorry, Baron Corbin comes out. He approves the Hell in a Cell match and then makes the main event for tonight between the two teams, saying that this match will take Raw to the next level. This is it. Not not the new contract, none of that. This, this tag match, this is what we're going to really hang our hat on for the next era of Raw, this tag match, which, my God, I don't think that after watching that main event, it was taken to the next level.
0: No, no. And I think at Baron Corbin's uh, appearance, I was, again, uh, unfortunately reminded that we not only have a heel GM storyline going on right now in 2018, but the person playing that heel GM is Baron Corbin. I completely wiped this thing from my memory over the past week.
1: I'm you, tell- this guy looks like the lost member of OVE with the bald look and he's he's in his little his little collared shirt and now, I, don't can, I don't know if you can I don't know if he can promo that well. Yeah, maybe not. Corbin then enters the ring after the uh, the era changing members of the Raw main event went to the back. And he said how much of an improvement he is over Kurt Angle. You what know, you want to know what Kurt Angle had to do this weekend way for his big vacation that he's on? What's that? He had to fly up to Toronto for a personal appearance at Toys R Us. <laughs> he had to come all uh, the way up here after he's been written off. Yeah, how does that
0: make sense? I mean, the man was written off, I suppose, only for storyline reasons and yes. and not because he wanted to take time off or had to take time off for personal reasons.
1: Yes, that's my... Uh, I mean, I, I feel that it's just, I, I, it, it feels very much like they have just written him off for storyline purposes for an obvious return, the the way they set it up last week. Like, I don't feel this uh, is a Mick Foley situation where he's gone for eternity. I think that Kurt uh, yeah. will be back. And it seems like possibly for a match with Corbin, that seems to make the most sense.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Well, I hope you enjoy Toronto.
1: Well, he got to come up here. So, Corbin announces he's going to have a rematch with Finn Balor, and he's had a week to prepare for this match. <laughs> Finn is just hearing about this now, and it's up next. I kind of like this logic from, from Baron. Like, he decided this last week, but he just didn't tell him, him till now.
0: I think you should expect the, these types of shenanigans from heel GMs. Um, I just uh, feel like I've seen so much of it in my lifetime that uh, it just feels so incredibly dated.
1: Well, we are at 20-plus uh, years. Of the, the heel GM figure on WWE programming. Two mm-hmm. decades away. Yep. They're almost done university. This, this trope. Baron and Finn, they had their match. This included Baron doing the too sweet sign to the audience who responded, Corbin sucks. Uh, Corbin applied his favorite submission, his half Nelson chin lock to chance of you can't wrestle. Balor eventually came back ran for the drop kick into the deep six for a two count chair gets involved. Balor misses a coup de grace and is attacked with the chair. DQ is called and then Balor gets laid out. Corbin announces that there's been so much going on. He forgot to mention this is a no DQ match. So it continues. He beats him with the chair, hits end of days and beats Finn Balor, the man, the man,
0: Finn Balor, Finn
1: Balor, the man. We now have to emphasize what uh, species he is playing, Mm -hmm. man. I I thought this match was really boring um this i don't what know I what it is this is what i expected at SummerSlam, and they also yeah. did this exact finish at the house show over the weekend where they restart the match and then baron wins
0: well, i guess that was rehearsal wasn't it yes so.
1: um I, I i don't know
0: what it is but they seem to love starting their episodes of raw with these baron carbon matches <laughs> and i do do not understand uh and here we didn't even give finn a real chance to get the crowd back they did this dq finish with which I think you could expect with a storyline like this, but man, uh, I thought this sucked. And what what is, what is it building to? You know, a match with Balor again? You can't bring the demon out again. So I guess could this storyline be Finn Balor now having to face and beat Baron Corbin, this incredible threat, as the man?
1: They should really introduce the y- – you did send me the comic, so I read this about Finn Balor and how – he can only go to the well so many times with the demon because it takes so much out of him. That should be the story here is that he cashed in all of his momentum. That, that, uh, that never ending, uh, momentum. And now he's on the downside. He's on the come down from using all of this and he sucks. He's got nothing left. Yeah, he used yeah. it all at SummerSlam yeah. for that win. The
0: comics su- suggest that every time he puts the headdress on though which is the source of the power, everybody, um, He starts to get greedy. And he doesn't want to get too greedy.
1: You know what should happen. This is what they have to do. They explain this. And the next time he uses the demon, he just goes into a rut. He's just losing matches every week. He is just dead. And then, in the middle of a match, when Finn has no energy left, out comes Destro. Um... Okay. PCO's guy. Yeah, I know. And he uh, ch- electrically charges Finn Balor to life, and now he has found an answer to regenerate.
0: Well, um, yeah. I think you'd have to explain that a little bit. I'd love to see PCO in modern day. Raw, though. He, he's, you? Been,
1: he's been pitching for a match with The Undertaker.
0: Oh, yes. Why not? Love to see, I would love to see that at Super Showdown. It's the last fun. time ever. First time and the last time ever.
1: Yes, that would be it. Oh, man, we could get Jacques doing uh, (laughs) interviews. Speaking of which, we had our feature on Triple H and The Undertaker. This is going to be interesting over the next few weeks because they are promoting Evolution, Super Showdown, and Hell in a Cell simultaneously on the same show. Um, So we have Triple H and The Undertaker, and they got selfie promos from Ric Flair... Christian, Mick Foley, Jeff Jarrett, and my favorite, Kevin Nash, on the phone.
0: Kevin Nash on the phone. Why? It, What's so crazy about that?
1: The fact that he couldn't just just film like ten seconds to to just shoot over on Dropbox or a goddamn like text message video. We had to um. we had to call him up and get a phone message. <laughs> Maybe his data was running low for the month. <laughs> you know, I have no Wi-Fi here. I'm just on my 3G, and I really <sighs> uh, can't go on the video here. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, I think they're doing a great job of pushing this Taker Triple H thing. Uh, and again, like, it feels like it's a match that really has no reason to exist anymore, other than maybe as some type of, uh, I don't know, mid-card uh, act. Or, uh, But they're treating this like it's a major event a headliner for the stadium show and they're doing everything they can uh, by bringing in all this nostalgia, all these legends to comment on it. Like it is a big match. And I think they're doing a very good job.
1: I like it. This is, this is pro wrestling. 101 is you introduce a match and you make it feel important and mm-hmm. you just drive it home. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I like the idea that, you know, this is, it's one match they're promoting for the Australia show. It's not like they've got a whole card to push. It's, it's just the one match. And I don't think it's all that difficult that you can have multiple cards being promoted at the same time with varying degrees of urgency.
0: It's a good experiment because I think it shows that, you know, they have this huge roster of guys, some legends, some not. uh, But at any given time, can you headline a stadium show without your world champion being a part of it?
1: they also announced that Shawn Michaels will be on Raw next week to discuss the match between Triple H and The Undertaker and the yeah, end Shawn, of the era.
0: Yeah, I guess Shawn's... Uh, has Shawn appeared on... Oh, I guess he's done panel things, hasn't he? But I'm saying uh, with without the, the ponytail, without the long hair.
1: Oh, on regular WWE? He's done yeah. NXT, did the guest ref spot without the hair. But yeah, maybe this is the first time he's on national television. Sans hair. Maybe a lot of people are going to be in for a shock next week. Maybe. Dana Brooke was with Apollo Crews backstage. Crews is explaining how Dana winning tonight could get her booked at Evolution. She is playing Flip Gordon.
0: Oh, come on. I'm sure she's got a spot there. I mean, they're bringing up a, like women in NXT. They're bringing up women that, that aren't even on, on any of their rosters.
1: Well, we'll see if Dana, Bro- Dana Brooke gets booked. Titus walks in, announces... She has a match tonight with Sasha Banks, and she leaves, and Apollo says Dana's had one match in the last nine months and doesn't think she's going to win this match with Sasha. One singles match. One singles match in nine Mm -hmm. months, which I have no idea if that was true or not, but that was uh, the stat we were given. And you would think that the statistician, Dana Brooke, would be up on this. So Sasha took on Dana. Uh, Bailey was in Sasha's corner. Pretty much nothing involving Sasha and Bailey on this show beyond this quick little match. Brooke did a handspring back elbow, and then Banks came back with a meteora from the top, and then backstabber into the bank statement. Two and a half minutes, and Michael Cole is putting over the fact that Dana really put up a fight before her loss, and Apollo is checking on Dana.
0: hmm yeah. Certainly not, you know, not an incredible match by any means, but I don't think it was meant to be. I think it was meant to show Dana as sort of this... uh uh this person that's kind of really out of her element against sasha banks uh, but at the same time putting up a good fight and i thought they did a good job making her look somewhat competitive so you know it remains to be seen if she'll have any more interaction with uh sasha banks but uh, at the very least it seems like we're we're going somewhere with this apollo cruise um,
1: relationship Then we had a promo. Tomorrow night is the season finale of Ms. and Mrs., and we've got a cowboy theme for Tuesday night's show. Dean Ambrose met up with Jinder Mahal, who noted that Dean lacks serenity and balance, and he can guide him to spirituality instead of brutality and tries to get Dean to engage in a breathing exercise to explain what he sees. And Dean tries it out, and he sees Jinder and himself, and he's kicking him in the teeth, breaking his face, ribs, and Jinder is crying in great pain and tells him to get out of his face, as Jinder says, "Shanti" before exiting.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: What a real jerk this guy was.
0: Well, I mean, people... When people try to act like tough guys, they often end up uh, just kind of looking like jerks. Yeah, but... Like uh, no,
1: no provocation here. This guy came out, like... Nothing underhanded about these tactics. He had nothing but
0: uh, know, well, in mind. He 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 knows Gender's track record, perhaps. Um, I didn't think the skit was all that great, much like any of Gender's skits lately. And I think you know to see Dean, Dean Ambrose, arguably you know the hottest comeback of the uh, of the I guess recent recent memory, kind of be mm, reduced to this comedy bit backstage with Gender. Uh, and even the match afterwards, I really wasn't a big fan of it. To me, it, it all, this episode of Raw seemed to really cool him down for me.
1: Yeah, he's, you know, he's a Torontonian in law as well.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Seth Rollins came out, huge chant for him. They were in love with Rollins here. He said with Dolphin Drew busy tonight, his dance card is open, so he suggests an open challenge. And then the Prime Minister himself came out, Kevin Owens, to this enormous reaction. My God, is this guy over?
0: Oh yeah, I think Trudeau would get a lesser reaction than.
1: Oh, you're right. Yeah, Trudeau wouldn't be able to cut half the promo here. Owen says that for months he was on SmackDown and he just wanted to go back to Raw, which was probably as legitimate of a line as we're going to hear tonight.
0: It reminds me that that he and Zayn have both flipped like two times each. Like they've been, they spent basically a year at each brand.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Owens should just, he should have just talked to Bree. And she could have said, you know what? You don't have to stay on one show. I mean, just go wherever you want. Yeah. He says that Rollins had a great SummerSlam because he had his best friend by his side. But he didn't have Sami Zayn or else he would have beaten Braun Strowman, cashed in and won the Universal title. And Zayn is at home because of, quote, some brute. And Owens just laments how terrible his summer's been. But he's going to leave with the title. And says, this is Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And this place is, yes, yes, that's where I live. And Owens just, oh, like these fans just drinking out of his palm. Says he can't think of a better place, but then pauses. Yes, I can. There's a better place in Montreal, Quebec. And the place just turns on him. No, we don't live there. Not the French. And then Kevin Owens starts speaking French, and my God, these Torontonians just turned on the man, and he yelled, you don't even know what I just said, but it doesn't matter because I'm taking Rollins' title. Fantastic.
0: So great. This man knows us so well. He knows exactly how to grind our gears. Oh.
1: So the match begins. Rollins and Owens, the crowd is singing Olay. Michael Cole, move over Dana Brooke. This was the stat. The last title change in Toronto. No one in the world would have guessed this. When Bret Hart won the United States title from The Miz in 2010. I was at this show, and I have not thought of this once since since that night.
0: Is that true? Wow. I mean, I guess there haven't been too many pay-per-views taking place in the city.
1: Yeah, there was the Survivor series a few years ago, but I guess there was no uh, there were no title changes on it. I mean, there's huh. been plenty of TV here. I'm I'm stunned there's not been a title change in eight years here. Hmm. And I guess the streak wow. continues. They go through a commercial break. Owens is in control. He's, he's working over the left arm and shoulder. Rollins gets thrown into the barricade, but then Owens missed with a cannonball. And then to set up the second commercial, we had consecutive suicide dives from Rollins. We come back. Owens stops Rollins... And he hits a stone-cold stunner for this incredible near-fall. And this audience, they were pretty into this match. This took Raw to a new level. It at least took this match to a new level. They're chanting, holy shit. And it just seemed like they had this audience at the edge of their seats for the rest of this. All off the stunner.
0: They chanted "Holy shit!" off of the stunner, and I think it was more so, you know, not any sort of element of danger, but the surprise that Kevin Owens, for what, for no reason seemingly, pulled out the Stone Cold Stunner, uh, a, a move that I think uh, obviously every wrestling fan knows. But it just, uh, I did, I don't, I don't know why he did it, other than the fact that, it, I mean, it's really cool.
1: Rollins then. Turned a sunset flip into a buckle bomb. Owens comes out of the corner with a super kick. Everyone's going nuts for the near fall. They trade shots on the turnbuckle as Corey Graves compares this to a Toronto Maple Leafs game. Rollins then gets knocked down off the apron. Lands on his bad shoulder. And Owens hits a moonsault from the top. Misses. Rollins capitalizes hitting the stomp and pins him. Highlight of the show. This was outstanding, this match.
0: Without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. I felt like this was a match where these two just kind of got to do what they wanted. And uh, obviously, you know, Kevin Owens is very much in need of rehabbing after uh, the the Braun Strowman program. I thought this achieved that in the audience's eyes just to show that, hey, man, this guy, no matter how he's booked, he's still capable of doing these incredible – having these incredible matches, doing these incredible moves. Uh, And – I mean, it it served, served to me to again like put the focus on him. Rawlings comes out of this with a big win. Uh, the crowd is sent home relatively happy because w- they at least got to see a great, great, very good match. Good, very great to very good to great match on on this edition of Raw. So
1: everybody's happy. Aaron Corbin's in his office on his phone. This is what all GMs do. They're just playing um Fortnite or something. Braun walks in, hands over his briefcase for the cash-in at Hell in a Cell, and immediately we get the graphic. This is what happens when a match is confirmed. You get a, a snazzy-looking graphic on the screen. After the break, we come back. Kevin Owens is sitting in the middle of the ring. The crowd is chanting his name, and he announces he's quitting. Mm-hmm. A yes. callback to another Bret Hart angle in Toronto when he quit on Nitro in 1999. Okay, yes. I was waiting for Goldberg to come out and spear him into a metal plate, but that didn't happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quitting storylines, I don't know if they always tend to um, turn into very much. I mean, most recently we saw with Dolph Ziggler and that really amounted to nothing. Um, With Owens, I would hope that maybe the man is a bit more protective of his own storyline. So we'll see what comes of this.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a very tough storyline to pull off when you've uh, done interviews about your new five-year contract that you have signed. But, uh, yeah, I guess Kevin Owens is going to play Neville on, yeah. in, in storyline. Renee Young interviewed Ziggler and McIntyre backstage. Tonight they're going to make their move to the top of the food chain. And Dolph says that Braun and Roman have a hellacious future literally hanging over themselves in three weeks and notes his proper use of the word literally. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. That's that would a be very, very, uh, misused word. Yeah. Mainly by Michael Cole. Yeah. They showed a tweet from Scott Dawson apologizing to Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express for what the B team has done to tag wrestling.
0: Um, yeah, kind of echoing many sentiments.
1: Yeah, this sets up a Jim Cornette cameo on Raw. That, he was
0: specifically that, tagged in that tweet. So.
1: I know, I know. They went out of their way to show this tweet. Yeah, man, you just get Jim Cornette's endorsement just for one week—that'd be tremendous. Mm-hmm. Though he can't—I don't to, know the—he can't get into Canada, so he wouldn't have been a candidate for tonight.
0: That is true. Yeah, I don't know how much the man is traveling right now, but man, I, I feel like Jim Cornette would be such a great addition to any of those tag teams in this raw division that that could really use a good manager.
1: Just imagine Jim Cornette and Paul Ellering just coming on for a month with these two teams, the mm-hmm. turnaround in their perceptions on television. Yeah. Just a month, a month. And then you could write them, them both off. I think both teams would be in better places. The B team took on the revival. This was a non-title match um, and went a considerable amount of time considering who was here. They pretty much had Dawson and Wilder just cut off the ring with Dallas for the majority of the match. When Axel was finally tagged in, did a lot of, uh, Mr. Perfect spots where he went for the next snap, tried for the perfect plex, but Dawson stopped him. And we did the inside cradle spot from Summerslam, uh, with once again, they tripped over him and Axel had the inside cradle on top. And this time Dawson kicked out. So they avoided that. Wilder tags without Axel seeing him. They hit the shatter machine, pinning Curtis Axel. And then they deliver another one to Bo after the match. Both are down. The Revival grabbed the tag titles, and they mentioned teams like the Road Warriors and Tully and Arn, and now we've gone to the B team, who have made a mockery out of tag team wrestling, and they hold on to the titles and can take them whenever they choose to, top guys out, and they clink their titles together.
0: Mm -hmm. I thought these guys had a good match, but I think... I I've, I've personally found it, and it seemed like the crowd found it kind of tough to really react to because I think the division and the characters are just really cold right now. Uh, so now it seems like the ball is sort of in the Revival's court to really kind of get things going. Uh, I'm happy that they're getting an actual storyline and some mic time now that the the, the leaders are out of the way. Um, so, you know, but a match with the B team, I, 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 it's hard for me to get excited about that, you know, uh, in ring-wise. I just really would love it if they just put the belt on the revival very quickly and then had the revival move on to somebody else.
1: Yes. Uh worth noting was that at the uh at the big house show that Roman Reigns defended his title at Sunday in Rochester, uh Matt Hardy did wrestle with Bray Wyatt. They did it at the three way tag match and then Matt Hardy afterwards stated uh he called it his send off. So maybe Sunday wow. was his final match for now. Uh, if not hmm. uh for quite a long time. Elias is in the ring, big pop as he introduced himself. Everyone's going nuts, uh, yelling, walk with Elias. And he says he's going to sing his greatest song, but then he had an epiphany. He quotes Drake, who started from the bottom, and he literally meant here in Toronto. The city is uh, bottom feeding and calls it a hole. And then he brought up John Tavares, Elias's good pal, who just signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs this offseason, from the Islanders. And he called up Elias and said that going from New York to Toronto, (laughs) there was no bigger disappointment in life than that. I love that line. Just great. Mm -hmm. And then
0: excellent.
1: Yeah, Trish Stratus's music hits and she comes out, big hometown reaction. Elias mentions that she's taken a break from changing diapers and notes what a big deal he is. She responds that she's a big fan. But when she but when Elias speaks about her hometown He's going to have to silence his cell phone, hold his applause, and shut his mouth. Elias, who I thought was tremendous during this segment, he jokes about how Toronto will never see a Stanley Cup in their lifetime, which led to the audience chanting, Go Leafs Go for the, the most grammatically incorrect sports franchise. And then he pretends they're chanting, The Leafs suck. Trish then compares it to Elias never winning a WWE championship. And then she promotes the Evolution match with Alexa Bliss. Elias asks, is this match going to be a swimsuit pillow fight? And Trish tells him to pack his guitar and get the hell out of here. Elias says he knows what's going on here. She wants to walk with Elias, but Elias doesn't date women in her 60s, and Trish slaps him. This was a great segment. I really enjoyed this. I thought Elias was great.
0: He was fantastic. Really was uh, great at commanding this audience and great. That create lines that were written for him or by him uh, used on Toronto. Again, man, are we that, that that easy of a of a target? Toronto Maple Leafs, Montreal, like that's that's really it. That's how that's how you can get to us, I suppose.
1: It's cool. I we talk was, weird. Yeah, these yeah. are the go-tos.
0: I thought Trish was excellent too. You know, seeing her come out, I feel like it's been a while since we've seen her speak on a stage like this. Uh, I feel like I sensed a bit of nervous energy in her delivery, perhaps. But I thought honestly, so.
1: I, I thought it was, you know. It's well, I mean, not as natural as you know she typically has sounded. Of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think that that happen to
0: anybody when they're out of practice, and you can kind of see the difference between somebody like Elias or Alexa, who's doing this every week, week in and week week out, not taking a break, and somebody like Trish, who maybe has been taking a, a lot more time off of it. But I think it, those, it's like it's like riding a bike, right? You know. Like I'm sure she'll she, she'll be very quick to, to to get back to old shape and um, even here I thought she sounded pretty good for somebody who hadn't done it in in a long time and certainly not enough to really notice um, that that anything was wrong so I hope to see more of her in the weeks to come
1: no and she she had some very good lines in here the, these mm-hmm. two they worked off each other very well I I really I enjoyed this segment and I just I thought Elias was really great here. Uh, So it ended with Ronda Rousey and Natalia coming out, and we come back from break, and Trish is there with the two of them as Alexa Bliss and Alicia Fox come out. Bliss calls it such a great raw moment seeing the three together, who she labels as Miss Underwhelming, Miss Overhyped, and Miss Completely Irrelevant, which I found kind of interesting that uh, Ronda, Trish, and Natalia all married here, so it should have been Misses.
0: Oh, okay. Thanks. To me.
1: She said that with all of Trish's uh, yoga and stretching, it's not going to help her at Evolution. But she's here to speak about Ronda. Now, you think that Alexa is flexible. She showed it here, being able to hype up two pay-per-view matches in this promo.
0: It's kind of, uh, yeah, they kind of get into a tricky situation. I mean, Samoa Joe had to do the same, not only for uh, that Saudi Arabia show, um, Mania, like, he had to hype up matches that weren't even
1: his. So then uh, she moves on and cuts her promo on Rhonda, and says that Rhonda tried to break her arm so that she could never have to face her again. But she is an average like them. She's medically cleared and she is invoking her rematch clause at Hell in a Cell. And then she goes to tell the crowd, what? You thought I was going to revoke it here in Toronto. I guess, uh, mixing up her words and told the Canadians that their accents freak her out. I've heard that. See, this is one of those, you and I have had this discussion before about there are some places you can make fun of the way people speak, but there's others that you cannot. Canada, we're all for the taking. You can, you can just make fun of whatever we say, but you could not cut this, that you cannot use that line in certain parts of the world, agreed? Um, accents.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Like when you say like if race is involved. Yes. Yeah. Well, it'd be a different topic
1: at that point. She says we have friends too. And we got the returning Mickey James, who she mentioned has quite the history with Trish Stratus. So Mickey returned on this show. And that led to Natalia and Alicia Fox in a very quick match. Uh, Fox took over with a big boot and just starts stomping her feet, jumping on top of Natalia. And the announcers had no idea what she was trying to do. Bliss and Mickey then choke Natalia on the rope. Natalia comes back, discus clothesline, applies the sharpshooter for the win. And then she's hugging Ronda and Trish, points up to the sky. And you could hear her telling the audience that that's for my dad, as she dedicated this win to Jim Neidhart. Uh, so a nice feel good moment at the end of this with Natalia in Canada Uh, winning the match here and then celebrating with Trish and Ronda.
0: I found the visual really strong of having Ronda there with uh, Trish Stratus and Natalia, of course, having gone through a lot, all three of them triumphant, standing up there at the end. The the Trish segment with Elias I thought was really good, and I think uh, this closing segment was really good. I would have hoped for a bit more of a match than what we got. This really wasn't much of a match between Natalia and Alicia Fox uh i didn't even get that much uh physicality between the people on the outside and that's that's somewhat understandable considering you know trish was wearing heels this entire time um but you know no real interaction between her and mickey even though it was teased at the beginning uh and i just you know i i think i would have liked to have seen a bit more physicality and maybe a bit better of a match from these two but you know otherwise i think they are doing a good job overall with the women's division
1: Yeah, I I thought that it had a nice moment at the end with Natalia. The the match itself was, you know, I don't know. It it was an Alicia Fox match. Um, I can see just based on this tease. I can definitely see Trish ending up wrestling on Raw before that Evolution pay-per-view doing something like a six person Mm -hmm. with uh, what they set up here potentially.
0: A six person, sure, but I feel like Trish is like one of the big draws of that show, and I don't, I, I almost would want to shy away from having her being in ring. But uh, six person, I could see that, yeah. Do this match, sure.
1: So then Trish, Ronda, and Natalia run into the Bella twins backstage, and Nikki says, "Damn girl, stratisfaction in the house. You like literally slapped the taste out of Elias's mouth." And I was waiting for Dolph Ziggler to pop up and say, "Nikki." That's an improper use of the word literally. <laughs> Bree mentions to Trish that moms have killer right hooks. And Nikki says, we are so proud of you, Rhonda, representing the division, especially with evolution coming up. And they spoke to Baron Corbin. And next week, we're back in action. These two yeah. Bellas came off as just so unlikable here. Like, yeah. I- hey, look at us. Look at us, everyone. Well, I couldn't. I, compl- I'm sure that was the, the what was designed here.
0: Yeah, I couldn't completely hear the audience's reaction, but I I, I could hear something, and I don't imagine it to be cheers uh, to the reaction here. I mean, the seeing the way Nikki Bella talks, you can't help but dislike her because she has that same kind of like very disingenuous voice every time she speaks. Her, I'd say Nikki more so than Brie. Uh But yeah, it's just like in the situations that they write themselves in, it feels like they're always just capitalizing on whatever glory the babyfaces are actually achieving. So to me, it really does feel like it's setting up a heel turn. And in that case, I think they're hitting on like a really nice note of like somebody doing a heel turn subtly. But it could not be a heel turn. And this could be them trying to push them as babyfaces. Then I'd be giving them too much credit, wouldn't I? So uh If the rumors are true that she's going to face Ronda at Evolution, then, you know, it it, it would make sense, though, why she is characterized
1: this way. This definitely feels the direction that they're going. And interestingly enough, after Raw, they announced for the Super Showdown in Australia. Ronda's return to Australia, the site of her title loss to Holly Holm, it will be Ronda Rousey and the Bella Twins versus the Riot Squad.
0: Okay, now I mean I'm I guess I'm kind of confused at that point
1: because um, that is over a month away. So you so will have the- Ronda teaming with Nikki Bella on that show. So I mean that lends to, if they are going with Ronda and Nikki, I can't imagine them doing a turn that late. Although you could do a turn in that match, I guess like several. oh uh, yeah. Away from Evolution. I guess. It's I think that you far can. out. Man, no, that would a, make sense. That's a long time to go with Nikki and Rhonda as, as best buddies here on Raw.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I think that would make sense. Then we got another video on Hunter and Undertaker with more cell phone promos, including the return to Raw of Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. The highlight of this was the backdrop he had behind him. I didn't know what this was. It was very, uh, I don't know. It
0: was just something like Broken Skull
1: Ranch, I bet. I guess so. Uh, Booker T, Big Show, and Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, I guess I was judging this on backdrops and Booker T with the Muhammad Ali and Tupac posters won. Okay. Austin then predicted that Hunter is going to win with the pedigree. Smart man. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we got a lot of cameos here. I would almost argue that with Monday Night Football coming back in two weeks, I would have tried to have, you know, gotten like an Austin to do an actual can't, I would have brought some of these legends back over the next few weeks.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. I think they're starting with Sean, you know, obviously the person most relevant to the whole feud. Um, now, could you bring in other guys? I suppose so. It all It's all dependent on what, what the other guys feel like doing. I'm sure they'll make time for it. Would you be willing to pay them? I'm sure they can afford it. Um, yeah, you can. I'm
1: not saying all these guys, but for me, Steve Austin – I don't know if you just want to put him in, like, a throwaway video package on a cell phone. I, I'm, If I'm Steve Austin, I – well, I mean, I think it would be
0: worse to just show up on Raw to, to what? I don't know, be a, a background player in an interview segment? At least, like, a cell phone footage thing was – you're not really losing all that much. You're not giving the people that much, right?
1: You just get – you have Austin come out, and you got 10 minutes – To really solidify your generation that you led. And Hunter and Undertaker's roles during that huge period. I mean, the guy can come out and cut a great promo. And I think you could promote it and come up with a a great way to weave it into this big match that you are selling for Australia.
0: Well, I'm assuming that's Sean's role next week. To do that exact thing.
1: Baron Corbin was on the phone again. And he's talking to Stephanie McMahon. And he's going to sort everything out with Kevin Owens. Because they're very good at, uh, dealing with, uh, contract problems. Corbin is calling on a masseuse and then Lashley comes in and what an interaction this was. In the history of men speaking to one another, you have never seen a more wooden back and forth between two people than this. There was just no, nothing between these two that screamed that this was a real person conversation.
0: Well I mean the acting is just I mean it's it's really bad in wrestling uh, but I think it's especially bad with somebody like Baron Corbin who just <laughs> he he really just is a terrible actor uh, and, and lastly I think has has been really bad on this run too I don't know if it's the material that they're giving him or maybe he just doesn't have it but man uh, these are you know, these are two guys who aren't necessarily doing all that well in the acting front.
1: You're a pretty intimidating guy. You're not all that different from Bobby Lashley. In your history of speaking to people way, have you ever been smiling at somebody, patted them on the shoulder, and then gone stone face to scare them and walk off? Have you ever tried that on someone?
0: Uh, Not that I can recall in recent memory. Maybe when I was young.
1: I'm curious if anyone out there has ever done that to someone in a real life setting. So Bobby comes out. He's been told he has a match by Corbin, but Baron forgot. He's got two opponents. Baron's big plan to teach Bobby Lashley a lesson was facing the Ascension. I have nothing to say about this match. He destroyed Victor. Connor. never even got into the match. He knocked him off the apron, and he won this handicap match in two and a half minutes, which was basically a singles match with Connor just watching on the apron instead of on the floor. That's what this was.
0: Yeah, kind of. Uh, I I kind of understand what they're going for with Lashley. You know, they're trying to give him like the Braun Strowman thing, trying to make him giving him some entertaining squashes. Uh, in theory, I think this should have worked, but I think it's the fact that it's the Ascension who nobody really wants to see, especially in the third hour. Like this came at about at about like ten thirty, and that's way too late to put on the Ascension versus Bobby Lashley, and it wasn't even that entertaining of a squash. So just a real dead segment.
1: I don't know if I've ever seen a handicap match where the second guy never even tagged in. You didn't even play out the handicap stipulation. It was, uh, anyway, it was just there. I mean, it was two and a half minutes. It was hardly uh, even worth uh, giving too much thought to. Dean Ambrose and Jinder Mahal was next. The highlight of this match, one of the highlights of Raw, was Corey Graves stating that he hopes Jinder Mahal channels his inner John Olerud and brought a helmet tonight.
0: Yeah, I mean, somebody must have been um, paying attention to Blue Jays baseball in the 90s.
1: Clearly, he's working the 92 team. Uh, Must be, yeah. Yeah. Which, of course, 93, the year that John Olerud, uh, it was was Roberto Alomar, Paul Molitor, and John Olerud. They all made the All-Star team that year, and they were all batting like insane by the All-Star break. And if you look up John Allard, he always wore this this funky-looking helmet as well. So that was the uh, reference by Corey Graves. But, dude, all the points in the world to Corey Graves for really uh, pulling out the Toronto references here, going back 25 years.
0: Pittsburgh isn't that far from Toronto, I suppose. Probably would have noticed it. I mean, it's not walking distance. No, but uh, maybe maybe he was just a, a fan. But it was really quite the team, man.
1: The you Pirates know. didn't have a bad team in 92. That was, that was uh, Barry Bonds pre- before he got traded to the Giants. They had an okay team in 92, and then they kind of <laughs> they walked off the plank. Yes. Thanks. Ginder takes over quickly. Ambrose comes back with clotheslines. Not wrestling with a shirt on any longer.
0: This is his new look. I mean, he's worked hard for that body. He's going to show it off. Yeah. Gray pants,
1: no shirt. Jacked Ambrose. Mahal landed a flying knee, went for the Colossus. It was blocked. Dirty Deeds. Dean wins. And Corey Graves says, peace sells, but who's buying? With a Megadeth reference that Jonathan Coachman hadn't heard of, which in fairness, neither had I. I don't follow Megadeth. You, so.
0: you, know, you know what I'll say? Uh, Coachman has, like, I've noticed him less. And I wonder if that's what reason that might be. Is it because, like, part of me feels like he, he's his voice is lower in the mix now. Like, he's not as grating. I don't know if they told him to like fall back a lot more or just to just not say anything that stupid. Nonetheless, like in moments where, or maybe I'm just like not paying attention. Just
1: just give it a few weeks away. We'll revisit this conversation and you may have a different opinion.
0: Well, maybe I've just like started to tune him out that much that like, I don't really let him bother me anymore, but there are times where I do notice. And I just like, I, I, I think, I think it's, I'm still a little bewildered as to like why he's even there because he just like, clashes with the other two so much and not for anything that's beneficial to the discussion at all. Like they're just, it's often just like things at like him asking what's, what's that? Or like, um, saying something completely that's still so completely like, um, that, that, that doesn't have any service to the overall story. So he also, I don't know.
1: he's also not working with two people that are going to, be there to catch him in one of those moments and, and help. He, they're, they're there more to laugh and stomp on this guy who has just tripped over his shoelaces and they're going to laugh at him on the air. So that kind of just compounds some of these silly comments coach makes, um, which makes for quite the combative, uh, broadcast team. But did you happen to see any highlights of tr- the Triple Mania commentary on the weekend? Did you hear about any of this?
0: Uh, I saw, I saw the Vampiro clip. So, of him, of him calling for his fucking music.
1: Oh my God. Like an all time clip where Vampiro is getting set for his angle with Conan and Conan calls him out and Vampiro is calling the show ringside with Matt Stryker. And Vampiro will, he is waiting for his music to play and he, like steam is coming out of him. Not literally, figuratively. And he is so furious and he just is, Where's my music? And then it just escalates. Play he, my he, fucking music. Like he, he, starts, so he starts mad.
0: He starts using the commentary in order to tell the production staff in the back. Like oh, he, Obviously, and, he didn't have some type of like private line. So he had to tell the, the world to tell the control room in the back.
1: And I haven't seen the whole show. I only saw bits and pieces because I was watching the UFC card. But I did watch this whole angle. And they have Conan and Vampiro who did this whole angle – And they're speaking Spanish. So Matt Stryker cannot translate this. So you have Matt Stryker. He calls over to Hugo Savinovich, who is calling in Spanish on the other Twitch stream, like next to them. And he's yelling, Hugo, did they just say it's loser leaves Mexico? What was the stipulation they just announced? And it was just, I mean, this show had its moments. (laughs) Both good and bad. This is not like a bad show. It was like quite the spectacle. But man, the, the commentary, like if you just watch some of the highlights, like it was just it was just very unprofessional at times. Like the amount of swearing and talking to the production people and not being able to translate basic stuff. It's just what is the point of having an English announce team if you can't convey any of this stuff to your audience at home? Mm. Anyway, another topic for another day. Then we go to Roman Reigns backstage. He is with Braun, who walks in. He doesn't like Roman. Roman doesn't like him. But tonight, the only thing getting slaughtered is McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler. And then he's got 20 days to think about how Braun is going to destroy him and take his title. And Roman comes back and says, well, on day 21, you're going to wake up and realize you just couldn't get the job done. I thought Roman was, you know, scripted very well on this show. I thought he had some very good lines. And he came off... Um, I didn't even see him so much as, a, as like a heel on this show. I just thought this was someone that you know just sounded like he's he's got that edge to him that I thought, at least I thought, worked for him
0: on this show. I didn't notice any heel qualities at all. What would have been, he- yeah, no, Braun Braun was clearly more heel of the two. Yeah, Roman I just thought was characterized as like a good he- hero.
1: Yeah, this was uh, I thought this was a good. Good week of uh, of Roman Reigns as champion. Next week for Raw in Columbus. It's the last Monday without Monday Night Football. So for this last uh, show, competition-free, we have got the Bella Twins returning to take on the Riot Squad. The B-Team versus the Revival for the tag titles. And Shawn Michaels will appear on the show. Big show. Big, big show. But no big show announced. Main event, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman against Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. Uh, they got in control of Roman and Ziggler applied this sleeper that went on forever Michael Cole tried to convey Roman's fading yes this is going to be the end of the match as Roman reigns succumbing to the sleeper hold by Dolph Ziggler and Coachman adds it's close and then Roman just powered right out of this thing they kept Roman away from Braun, Braun's yelling I'll end this and it's Rains in this for the whole time. He gets belly to belly suplexed by Drew McIntyre back into the heel corner. Ziggler then leaps in and takes a Superman punch. Roman finally tags Braun, who comes in. Drew is waiting, but then Braun is just staring from the apron. They pull Roman back and start stomping him. Braun's watching all of this as the legal man. And then the referee calls for the bell. This was the flattest finish you could envision. This audience had no idea what was happening.
0: Yeah, so officially what is this, a DQ? Because they were beating on the illegal man for too long? I guess so. Yeah, whatever. Uh it didn't matter.
1: We need John McCarthy to do a pro wrestling command course for stuff like that. Jimmy Corderas could run that course. No, oh, yeah. I, I mean I just thought ruling was.
0: I, d- I just thought this match was so boring. Uh, and, and again, like being this this long into the show, I, I think you uh, it was just really difficult. And I understand why they were doing it. They had this ankle to build up to. But, man, uh, it was just hard to have the energy for it. And I think this crowd reflected that same thing.
1: Braun then comes in. He looks down. He lifts up reins and yells. He's not finished with him yet. Headbutts him, tosses him around. Dean runs down first. He gets attacked and laid out with the Claymore zigzag combo. Then Rollins runs down, still selling his shoulder from the Owens match. They hit him with a zigzag, and then Braun delivers power slams to all three members of the Shield. And then Braun poses with Drew and Dolph to end the show, which Coachman says they wanted to change the game, and it's game over now. So we have aligned Braun With these two heels. So you certainly came off this week seeing Braun as the heel in this program, which is a little puzzling, but it is the direction they are going.
0: Um, Well, Roman Roman is the big project, and I think Braun needs uh, to, you know, uh, uh, Braun is his opposition uh, and. Rather than find two other baby faces, I think this does make sense because you have McIntyre and, and Ziggler that are working a program already with uh, Rollins and uh, uh, Dean, anyway. So to turn Braun, you know, will it work? It kind of worked tonight, although you can argue whether or not it worked because, you know, while the crowd didn't boo Roman here, um, they didn't exactly cheer him either, I feel. I just. I I just kind of saw the crowd being a little indifferent for this angle at the end. So, I mean, I didn't dislike the finish, but by this late into the show, the lack of good in-ring action, it just simply wasn't enough for a closing angle. I thought this main event was really quite dull.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's just reacting as well to the Becky Lynch turn, but it just seems like you have these people that the audience clearly gets behind, and it's like your mission that let's make them heels. and. I don't know. I think with Roman and Braun, I feel you could almost go into this hell in a cell where it's just, you know, you you choose your side. You don't have to definitively label either one of them. And I think that could work because I think ultimately Braun, if you're going to make him a heel, I think there's a way to do it. But it's not aligning him with Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. So we will see. Um,
0: I don't feel like this is a uh, I don't feel like this is a permanent heel turn. I think it's just out of convenience because they're to make it a three on
1: three thing. Um, but ultimately, what, though, like you're not building to a three on three match. Well,
0: no, that's true. Maybe they are going to do it on an episode of raw or maybe they're doing something for the uh, Australia show. Uh, and they'll maybe try to ride it till then, uh, with a number of rematches. I'm not I'm exactly sure. You're, sure.
1: you're going to do that six man. And the, the Australia show may be it like the, the shield yeah. reunion match together. I mean, you, you now have your three. Yeah.
0: So, uh, you know, I, I think doing house shows, I think it's all good for all that. But I I, I don't necessarily see this being a full, full, full heel turn for Braun because um, I think he's a very effective babyface. And it feels like it, it'd be weird to just ruin that. Um, remember, also, we can expect a Dean Ambrose turn at some point, too.
1: Yeah, which is early to do that. I think you can get to that. I would I would hold that off for a bit, but you're right. That's that's a card you can definitely play when you are ready to move on from this program with, with Braun and perhaps someone that follows him as well. Uh, I would say this episode of Raw, I, I didn't really care for the main event at all. Um, I would say the show, th- there was some stuff I really enjoyed. Owens and Rollins I thought was the high point of the show. I think the Trish surprise was was a nice little addition for the live crowd and really worked as well. Uh Natalia is a nice feel-good moment at the end of that match as well. So I feel if you went to this show, you probably had a good time overall. But um, also some stuff that left me a little puzzled as well at the end.
0: Yeah, I would say so. I think there, there was uh, plenty of good on the show. Certainly that, that uh, Owens-Rollins match was fantastic and probably worth uh, a good price of your admission. Uh, but the rest of it, man, again, it's just the fact that it was such a long show that I think if I was there, I wouldn't exactly know if I would have really uh, uh, enjoyed myself for the, for the entire three hours. But we shall see because I'm sure uh, hopefully some of our feedback uh, givers uh, attended, attended the show live.
1: Actually – Our first piece of feedback is from Braden, who went to the show with Davey. And did you see the the tickets they scored? God, these guys
0: got really good seats. They were pretty much like hard cam, like
1: center. Yeah, they actually got tickets from literally, Dolph, literally from a good brother uh, out there. And they got very nice seats to this show. Literally from a good brother. So somebody's brother? Someone's brother, yes. Okay. Braden said... Phone is at 1%, but our feedback is, quote, it was lit, even though the shield didn't fist. Four out of ten.
0: Oh, okay. It was lit, but four out of ten?
1: I know. That's a little contradictory there. You're going to have to explain yourself, Braden. Like, it was lit. It was a failure. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah. All right. What do you think the, uh, the forum had to say?
0: I'm actually looking at it already. Sorry. spoiled myself. 5.63. I can see that. Yeah. Fair.
1: Fair. Yeah. Barely lit. Brandon from Oshawa. I'm definitely glad I didn't go to this show. It was trash outside of a couple segments. The Elias segment had to be one of the funniest I've seen in a while. I thought he had some great lines. Trish was a nice surprise. I can't believe they've turned another over babyface. this time Braun Strowman. But I do like the pairing with Drew and Dolph. I wouldn't mind seeing them at a fourth member and putting Heyman with them as a sort of dangerous <laughs> alliance type group. Owens and Rollins was really good, and I'm slightly intrigued at what comes next for Kevin Owens. I say slightly because I don't want to get my hopes up when WWE Uncreative is involved. What do you think of Owens spending a couple of months in NXT and maybe bringing him back the night after Survivor Series? I can't see what other direction they could go with him right now. Most of the top guys are in programs. Maybe he could be revealed as Aleister Black's attacker. What would you guys like to see done with this story? I'm not opposed to the idea of guys going down to NXT, but right now, that place is so just completely bottlenecked with so many guys. I think the last thing they're going to be looking at is bringing in someone from the main roster. And they just taped a month's worth of television, so or at least three weeks' worth of television, that I don't see that as an option at all. They're not taking one of their viable guys off the road and putting him in NXT. So I don't see that happening at all.
0: And really, like I think for all these suggestions about like bringing guys down to NXT, like what are they really going to be going there to do? do if they go down there they have to lose because you have up-and-coming talent that needs to be put over guys like alistair black and if you're going to send kevin owens down down there to beat alistair black is that really going to be that effective for anybody
1: yeah and also it's like i would like the idea that they used to do with ovw where you would send down guys for a big show to work with your younger talent if owens is going down there and it's only to work with an Alistair Black or an Adam Cole or a Kyle O'Reilly. It's like these guys aren't, you know, changing their skill set overnight working a program with Kevin Owens. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't see it working in this current incarnation of NXT where it's just it's so deep with talent that you have enough experienced guys in NXT to work with your lesser experienced guys that you don't need to be using a Kevin Owens in that role. So, yeah, in, in Long story short, I I would be surprised if Kevin Owens even misses a week of TV.
0: Jordan from Saskatoon. I attended my first live Raw tonight, and man, was it cool. I thought the opening promo was pretty decent until Ziggler, Drew, and Corbin came out. Roman has really improved. Seeing Trish was the highlight of my night. The main event was meh. Rollins and Owens had the best match. I thought it was a really good show overall, but I didn't have to listen to Coachman all night. Special thanks to John for taking the time to talk to me during the Smash
1: show. Oh, well, it was very nice to meet you, Jordan. Uh, Yes, he is here on his uh, on his trip. Mark from Vaughn writes outside of the IC title match and Trish surprise. Nothing of note happened on this show. The combination of Braun with Dolph and McIntyre is just awkward to me. Would have liked to have seen the widely speculated Wyatt reunion. His question. My assumption is they'll be back in New York for 2020, but it's nice to see Toronto get another big show after the success of Survivor Series weekend in 2016. Even though I'm 99% sure this is just due to the Mania location, do you think there's any chance of Toronto getting a little run with SummerSlam like L.A. and Brooklyn had? What do you think, Way?
0: I think it's a little less likely, again, for many of the reasons why they haven't brought back a WrestleMania here in such a long time. Um, The dollar, uh, maybe the media coverage that they would probably get more of in an L.A. or New York. Um, So I I personally see it as just a one-off. Yeah.
1: Someone here also added, in addition to the uh, the six-woman tag for the Super Showdown, they have announced The Shield against Strowman, Ziggler, and McIntyre for the Australia show. So that's okay. been added as well to Super Showdown.
0: Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, my turn. Yes. We go to Chris from Melbourne, Australia. Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins tore down the house, in my opinion. Bliss is still a solid— gold promo finn and corbin continues for some reason and and it only seems to continue to decrease finn's main event value also i seriously don't understand the bailey and sasha story this is without a question the worst feud of the year if it can still be called one lastly as someone who is going to super show dan i can say the only reason i want to see the undertaker wrestle is that i have never seen him wrestle live before that guy is legit legit seem to be having problems at WrestleMania with Cena question. Has Renee or Beth been announced for commentary during the WWE evolution
1: show? Yes, they both have for evolution or just from the May Young classic. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Yes.
0: May Young classic.
1: Yeah, but I would assume that's going to be, I think the team is going to be Cole, Renee and Beth at evolution. That would be my impression. Mm. I don't see Renee doing play by play. I think they'll keep Cole in that spot. Yes. Uh, Chris and Mississauga. I was at the show tonight. Balor and Corbin really seemed to take the energy out of the crowd and definitely dragged too long. Owens and Rollins was excellent. The stunner near fall was especially great. Elias's John Tavares reference was great. Trish was a nice surprise. I didn't like the ending of the show with Braun coming off as a heel, teaming with Ziggler and McIntyre. Regarding the whole Jason sensation thing, I don't think the majority of the arena was aware of it. Didn't really see any extra security or police presence in my section, and at one point, I heard the person behind me ask the usher about it, and they didn't really seem to know about it as well. Glad everyone was safe, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of really like nerve wracking, like to to think how would you get the word out about something like that. You know?
1: Yeah. I, I mean there was there was that incident over the summer with the Foo Fighters concert, and they had put out like this warning about staying away from a certain area and everyone's mm-hmm. going into hysteria saying like, why, what is, mm-hmm. what is going on here? And it's this tough act of like, you want to take as many preventive measures as possible while not also causing mass hysteria. Mm-hmm. Um, but for all those people in that arena that are wrestling fans, I mean, I could envision that that tweet circulating real quickly. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. it, I mean, t- yeah. there's no easy answer when you're dealing with something like that, other than to take the utmost precaution and, and treat it as you know, as and, and, serious and I, as you can.
0: And I imagine the WWE are, are are having a big meeting probably about something like this, uh, about what to do if they haven't already, you know, in in the, in the future, if, if if God forbid, you know, a threat like this happens again. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Uh, We go to Noah from Vaughn. I was at the show tonight and I gotta say it was awesome. Great match from Owens and Rollins. Elias and Church segment was hilarious and the crowd was into almost everything on the show. Overall, fun show. A solid medium coffee with milk and sugar.
1: Matt from Melbourne, nice to see a slightly above average Raw for a change. It's interesting how much they're promoting the upcoming Taker Hunter match at Super Showdown. In addition to this, they've already announced Cena and Lashley versus Elias and Owens and Miz versus Bryan with the winner getting a title shot. Do you expect WWE to promote any of the other matches on the card besides Taker and Hunter? I'm not sure where this show fits in as a legitimate pay-per-view, network special, or house show. I think it's going to be promoted after Hell in a Cell for the next uh I guess it's going to be it's only going to be 2 weeks the turnaround they'll use those 2 weeks to promote it as a pay-per-view and they'll I think they're just going to push Taker and Hunter until Hell in a Cell is done and then do the hard push for those 2 weeks.
0: That makes sense cuz they they are the only two guys not wrestling at Hell in a Cell. So yeah, You
1: don't you don't need yeah. to promote the rest of the card. It's nothing gigantic uh you can get away with just hunter and undertaker being the focus and they're making it feel like a big match
0: adam from barry hey guys this this was my first time watching raw in seven months i only tuned in tonight because the show was in toronto it seems like i'm not missing much by skipping these shows every week other than rollins versus owens which was a pay-per-view quality match and a nice surprise by trish the rest was mostly forgettable the show the crowd was dead in a lot of matches and segments tonight including lebron heel turn four out of ten
1: Jalen from Pickering, I was there live and prepared to give this show a 6 out of 10, give this 6 out of 10 show a 7 just because of the crowd, but the stupidity of the final segment brought it back down. I'm taking a shot in the dark here, but I think Owens might return as Mr. Money in the Bank. Braun gave Corbin his briefcase, and Corbin was on the phone with Stephanie talking about Owens. They can give Owens the contract to make him come back and pull some BS that Braun didn't cash in, but was just given the contendership. What do you think about that idea?
0: I don't think it'll work, especially I mean, I don't really like it. I don't think you're I think you're really kinda uh fucking up your your the the sanctity of this money in the bank gimmick if you're you're playing going through all these loopholes like that. Also Braun's a heel now or or at least for this month.
1: I mean what does Braun care if he's getting the title match regardless? Who cares if someone else gets a title match as well? Mm, well he spent all this time beating this guy up, winning a match. It it does it does create the issue for Braun that here is this guy now that inherits this spontaneous title shot that he's going to have to constantly be concerned about that he thought he's eliminated that threat for the champion. Yeah, yeah, I, but I'm not that a big fan outline. Of it. I can completely see that idea happening.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be a fan of it, but I'm not a fan of a lot of stuff. Right. You no, know, my same. turn. Oh, I I think it's you.
1: Okay, we go to Adam. The 45 segment Valor the Man versus Corbin match just made me happy that Way's nephew is safely back at home without any knowledge that it went down. I feel like he would think that (laughs) the demon is pretty cool, though. Were Seth and Dean stuck in traffic on the Gardner during the aftermath of the main event? Sure felt like a long time for them to get out there. I feel like less of a Canadian, but I cringed at everything Trish was a part of tonight. Elias upstaged her with better lines, and Way is right. The Bellas together are unbearable. I'm just going to go have some maple syrup and balance things out. Great call leaving Sean for next week with this crowd. It could have been pretty ugly at a time. They were afraid to really put Sean in front of these Canadian crowds, but that was so long ago. I don't know if that would happen now. Do you,
0: I think you might get a bit of an initial kind of nostalgic. You screwed bread chant. Uh, but then like it, it, I think at this point it's all in in fun and Sean would probably crack a joke about it and we'd all go, ha ha ha. That was a good time anyway. So yeah, I don't think it would be a complete hindrance at all. Uh, but an update, my nephew is actually uh, back in Japan, but he's also looking up Kalisto matches. He says, like, he texted me, you know, do you, do you know Lucha Dragons? I'm like, yeah. Oh, the short guy. He's really cool.
1: L- the so, Kalisto wasn't in the match, but the Lucha House Party tag last week on 205 Live was tremendous. It was uh, Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado against Tony Nese and Buddy Murphy. Very s- strong match. And the Brooklyn crowd stuck around, so they were, like, into the match. I'll have to send him a link. Yes, or send him the uh, the street fight from Triple Mania, which was just uh, apparently sure. a violent, violent match. Don't send him that, actually. I wouldn't feel good about that.
0: Uh, okay, we go to Anthony, who says, The highlight of Raw was seeing a kid dressed as Roman Reigns in the crowd during Roman's entrance. Adorable. Ten forever will be eight, the ACTC's to me, out of ten.
1: No, the best fan was when Kevin Owens was walking to the back, to the side of the ramp, And there was a dude with his hands on his head in stunned disbelief that Kevin Owens was walking out, and he looked right at the camera with the most shocked look on his face. That was the best fan I saw on Raw tonight, if you go back and watch this. MJ, three-hour Raw's can drag, so I'm going to focus on one of the Raw segments of the year. Trish Stratus walks with Elias. Tremendous. Only thing I felt was missing was Rousey tossing Elias and bonding with Trish, and Bliss was great on the mic after. Here's to hoping Owens legit quit and cements his place on Mount Rushmore at all in this weekend. Well, that ain't happening.
0: Dub says, I thought the Elias segment was pretty electric tonight. Uh, The stuff I did watch was good. Commentary had me laughing quite a bit.
1: Taylor from Sydney. I don't know. I really don't know. Tonight had its moments. Love seeing Trish and love the Elias segment. Seth and KO was excellent. KO's I quit was intriguing, but not sure where it leads. Braun teaming with dolphin drew was logical i guess but it's the threesome no one wanted but i guess it's the threesome we need right now i'm still really not excited about hell in a cell and i doubt i will be but i guess that's what happens with summerslam between summerslam and the rumble keen to hear what you think the direction is with ko quitting is it just a brand switch or something else i think he's back on raw probably by next week what do you think
0: i think we'll have some update from him on raw um I don't expect them to switch brands. I expect them to have a match at uh, Hell in a Cell.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: We go to Sean from Toronto. I just got home from seeing Raw live a little while ago. This was my first time seeing Raw live since it switched to three hours. And boy, was it draining. The IC title match was definitely the peak. And I groaned at the Braun heel
1: turn. All right. That wraps up our feedback. So thanks. We got a lot of live feedback for uh, tonight's show in Toronto. And we encourage if you're going to SmackDown, and 205 Live on Tuesday night. They are back at the Scotia Bank Arena, night two, night two in Toronto. Uh, so we will look forward to hearing uh, feedback from you as well on Tuesday night. So Way and I will be back Tuesday with Rewind to Smackdown. We've also got uh, Up Next with Brayden and Davey coming out Thursday. And then Friday, Way, what are we reviewing on Rewind Away for our wonderful cafe members?
0: Well, the four of us will actually be on the road to Chicago during the day, but we'll have recorded at that point our review of the New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Special in Long Beach from 2017, night two of that one. Of course, this was the the tournament to crown the uh, inaugural IWGP US. Uh, champion, uh, a main event that took place, spoiler alert, between Kenny Omega and Tomohiro Ishii that I think a lot of people have probably watched and remember very fondly. Uh, this was a request and we'll, we'll be talking about that entire show.
1: Yes, so you can look forward to that. It might feature Kenny Omega and Tomohiro Ishii, but everyone knows the real main event of that night in 2017 was Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Billy Gunn.
0: Uh, a, a name that I... I I think I was very still perplexed to see again uh, a year later uh, while looking up this card.
1: Yes, we will go through that entire show uh, from 2017. That's coming up Friday. And then, of course, Saturday night, big review of All In. And if you're a member of the cafe, we should have a lot of uh, bonus stuff uh, coming out this weekend as well. So you want to stay tuned to all of that, all of our road trip coverage, lots of stuff to look forward to. And if you have some time, you can check out. My interview I did with Guy Evans over the weekend. He is the author of the new book on the history of WCW entitled Nitro. Uh, We chatted for about 45 minutes on the history of the company, uh, its gigantic heights, and monumental fall in quite a quick turnaround. Uh, So lots and lots of stuff. Uh, I recently reviewed his book, and it was uh, really, really outstanding stuff. So I I encourage you to go check that out. And finally, uh, we've also got the double shot this week. I I skipped over it. Any tease for us, way?
0: um i think you'll be talking about triple
1: mania won't you um i'm going to try and watch some more of it on tuesday uh i will definitely be reviewing last week's lucha underground that featured the haunted house match between mil muertes and the mac so that is to come (laughs) and if i get to watch more of it i'll chat some highlights of triple mania i will not get to watch the whole thing's five and a half hours uh that's a that's a lengthy watch
0: Right, yeah. And of course, uh, Being the Elite, this is their go-home week as they hit the all-in. So we'll see what type of content they put out, and uh, we'll be talking about all all that.
1: All right. That'll wrap it up. Uh, Hope we get to meet many of you uh, this weekend when we were in Chicago. It should be a very fun time there. Uh, Thank you to everybody for listening, and we'll be back Tuesday night. Goodbye.